Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now, this is the final special of a series of specials that has been going on over a week now with 10 interviews from 2000 Trees, one of my favourite festivals of the summer. I had an absolute blast and it's been amazing to share these with you all. But today, to go out and end all these specials with one hell of a guest is a dream come true and something that I wasn't ever expecting from this weekend. Today, I'm joined by the amazing Jesse Hughes from the awesome Eagles of Death Metal. This was an interview that I never thought was going to actually take place. I never prepped for it. I didn't think it was ever going to happen. It wasn't scheduled. I hadn't spoken to any management to make it happen. But as I was at the festival interviewing other bands backstage, I noticed Jesse walk past me. He's someone that I've admired and loved his work for many years. And I thought to myself, it would be just cool to get a photo. So I walked over when he wasn't busy and just asked for a photo. He was really welcoming and I just felt a connection with him straight away. And then in that moment, I thought to myself, there's probably not going to be many other opportunities to try and ask Jesse for an interview. So as I was there, I just said to him, if there's any spare moment you get over this weekend, please bear in mind my podcast because I'd love just to sit down and do a short interview with you. And as I said it, he put his arm around me and said, dude, I'll do whatever fucking press you want. He was so open, so honest and just so up for it. I took him up on that offer. We walked backstage, we went to their exclusive area, we sat down. Before we even hit record, we shared a good 20, 25 minutes of talking and maybe it was the time to earn his trust and then we carried out the interview. We shared some really deep stuff before we'd even hit the record button but even on the interview itself, we get deep, we talk about subjects that I wasn't really prepared for but it's turned out unbelievable. I believe we shared this moment and there's been a few with Mark and me where we just connect, there's something in the air, there's some magic happens and I'm so glad I captured this interview because it's one of my proudest moments and it's just something very special and I can't wait to share it with you in just a couple of minutes time. But just before I do, I do want to say a massive thank you to everyone that's tuned in over the last week. There's been 10 interviews, there's been some incredible highlights and I've been seeing so many new followers, so many new comments and the numbers have been absolutely insane. So thanks to everyone that's taken the time to listen. But what I want to do now is get to this interview. It's one of my proudest moments of doing Mark and Me and I really, really just want you guys to hear it at home. So here's me and Jesse from Eagles of Death Metal talking all things music. Welcome to the Mark and Me podcast. I'm now here with Jesse. Jesse, it's so fucking good to meet you in the flesh. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. And and 
I mean, the listeners don't know this, but you and I just had a lovely bonding time, and I feel like we've disclosed personal things, and yeah. now we are a bit closer than we would have been otherwise. Isn't that so much better than just giving us a mic and saying, go? I yeah. like the fact that we now, like, we're family now. We've had a bit of a I sort of insist on it. Yeah. It gives me an opportunity to judge your reactions, and then I'm, like, going to know what kind of person you are pretty quick. That's good. So you've had about five minutes, and so far, am I in the good books? I love you. You look oh. like my uncle, and, and you're good looking. Well, this is really good. What I like to do with anyone that's listening today that's tuning in, take it back to the very start. When you were a kid, what was that first album that you bought that made you fall in love with music? Maybe it was given to you by a family member. Maybe you well, went and the, earned the money yourself. I mean, my father was in a band. He was yeah. a musician. So, And music was the first thing I heard before people talking, really. Yeah. So it has a sort of uh, primordial hypnotic thing to me so it's difficult to my point is it's difficult to really pinpoint but I, I I could say that the first band that ever made me want to pick up an instrument and play was Black Flag and the Minutemen unbelievable bands and they were they I, I just like I was first time I heard them I thought something was wrong like I didn't know what to do I wanted to pull my hair like uh, what I gotta be in I mean that sensation it's that panic of joy how old were you at this point? I'm trying to picture it in my head. Like, what age are you listening to this record? Listening to these lyrics? Eleven. Fu- fucking hell, man. Because my cousins were older. I my my parents had just divorced. I just moved to Southern California at the height of the punk rock movement, and my cousins were like ranged from 15 to 19. So, I was getting into their records, and I actually one time they wanted to go see a Black Flag show, but they were babysitting me, so they had to take me. <laughs> Win-win. And. That was a wild night. They actually took me once. They had, I, dude, I saw vicariously and, and indirectly, just by virtue of blackmail, so many fucking shows by the, before I was 12. <laughs> I mean, I saw black, uh, uh, Bad Brains and a riot ensued when, they, when the show shut down and skinheads taking it, car antennas and turning them into weapons and whipping. I mean, dude. And this is all by the age of 12. Yeah. And then I lived in Palm Springs, and so Black Flag would routinely come there and play. You know, bands would come through all the time and play this, like, private parties. See, you've already took the next question. I always like it when I find out what's that first gig that changed your life. I suppose if you got to see stuff like Black Flag at that age, I can't well, imagine it. My first of- show was Kiss Destroyer with my dad. Oh, wow. And it was uh, for my fifth birthday, and I remember it vividly. I got to go to Kmart the weekend before. And he bought me a record player that when I would stand up, it would be about waist high. And it had little lights in the front of it so that when the music played, it pulsed to the rhythm. It had one of those, just a very early version of that. And then he bought me Kiss Destroyer. Wow. And I felt, at that moment, I felt the power and fury, the majesty of rock and roll. I'm flying the banners of the Kiss, you know what I mean? But when we saw that show, we were like fourth row center stage. And the two tigers that face each other that spray fire. And you could feel the flames off your face. And I kept looking at my dad. I remember I looked at my dad. I got scared. And he looked down. And he goes, this is kid stuff, dude. Because that's what he thought about Kiss. And I'm like, this is kid stuff? Where does it, where does it go? Like? Yeah, where'd you go after that? So it gave me this practical terror that I ignored. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you've had so many years in the business. And one thing I had Brandon Boyd from Incubus on recently. And I asked the same thing. What makes you still want to do it? Because you get challenged, you go here, you go there. 
we had a pandemic for two years that made the whole world go on pause, but you're still here now. What is it inside your body or your blood that makes you still want to fucking go on stage and entertain? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of a twofold thing. It's it's both uh, something that's innate, which I'll explain, and then it's also my experiences. Every artist obviously has a unique experience, but I've literally had bad guys come into my show and kill 90 of my friends while I was trying to finish, you know? Yeah. And shouting to each other how they wanted to cut off my head. Uh, I never knew if I should ever talk to you about that because I don't want to be insensitive or raw. I I appreciate that, but this is really how I look at that, and I'll I'll pause what I was just saying to explain this. For the listeners, Paris is an event that involved a terrorist attack about seven years ago. I don't ever look at it like, why me? I just don't have it in me. I'm a why not me kind of person, always have been. And I feel like we really are, in the corniest sense, all in this together. That means we're all defenders of it potentially yeah and sometimes you get called on in the neighborhood to defend the street that's an honor any opportunity so i've looked at it like that after that particularly happened you just can't let the bad guys win so that practical experience routine what's the word i'm here routinized if that's a word you know what i'm trying to say here it gave me this habit of just not being able to let the bad guys win. I mean, right now there's an 800,000 euro bounty on my head for defying a law. I mean, believe me, every time I go on stage, more so than most artists, there's a little bit more of a roll of the dice that I ain't going to be breathing by the end of it. But I you still choose to do it because you need to protect that yard. You know, that night in Paris, I saw a couple things that it wasn't even the shooting or the, but I saw a, a few acts of courage. You know, the Bible says the greatest uh, demonstration of love there is is that a person give their life for their friend. And I saw that three times that night. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. It was the most powerful, powerful thing you can ever imagine. I could see the person and I knew what they were doing. You know, each time it was when one of the bad guys was threatening someone they loved, they would jump up, ah, look at me, gather their attention and die. But they were holy. And I, I almost believe in my heart that they were what they were doing was so holy that angels were already in attendance of them and just caught their spirit before it even hit the ground. I mean, I, I some things are beautiful and terrible simultaneously. And then I realized with something like that, all you get is perspective. That's it. And rock and roll is a lot better than that. The thing is, like, if you do something and it goes bad you don't go and do it again like if a dog bites you I'm not going to go and stroke the same dog the next day but you chose to go on stage again pick up that guitar sing because you don't want to let that fucking dog eat you alive do you? No well you know I have a modified version of that but I'll tell you I, I, had, I intended to retire the first two weeks afterward and it was directly Bono and the Edge who and I could see it, and I'm telling you, those are some of the most sincere and wonderful people I will ever know in my life. I don't give a fuck what anyone says, part of my language. But You can swear all you like. Um, they, they, they had this sense of you have to keep playing. You don't understand what's on the line. You don't. The whole world of rock and roll is shut down for three days. You have to let us announce that you're going to come out here. And that helped. It helped me get outside myself. And it was the first time in my life that what I do became important yeah and I didn't like that responsibility 
it's a fucking huge responsibility on the, the weight on your shoulders to then wear but, a mask and be happy on stage again when probably you were shitting yourself. I n- never wore a mask. Ever once. Ever once. And I never stopped playing either. Not even during the lockdown. I had one bar was willing to stay open. And I one time, check this out, I was the only professional artist performing in the world on at least three separate occasions. That's an outrage. That's an insult to everything. Our God is free speech. And the only way you can have a demonstration of it being your God is if you don't give a fuck about the topic. Yeah. Period. And it doesn't matter if it's... Rock and roll is so much more fun. It's so much more fun to shake my dick. And then I realized that it wasn't as much a responsibility as it was a great honor. I never saw a single coward that night. I was chosen to bear witness to three of the things that nobody in their whole lifetime could ever see. Never. The greatest demonstration of love there is. And it also showed me in an instant, like, I'm not going to let these people define it. When I'm a victim, it's going to be about the worst night ever, about a faithful, the bloodiest. No. It's the night that I saw three holy nights of Christ defy death. The greatest example of love there is, and I saw it in triplicate at a rock show. It's a beautiful fucking world. And I was chosen to bear witness to it at a terrible cost. So be it. I'll honor it. Just because I was able to survive doesn't mean their noble and courageous story shouldn't be told. You know what I mean? Because what kind of asshole would I be? It was so hard for me to live. Okay. Not so much. I guess it's a half glass full or empty but if you'd seen it as empty you wouldn't be here now no I look at life like even the worst blowjob is still amazing right the first way you beat the bad guys is by smiling sincerely being able to enjoy the company of your friends continuing to see the beautiful things that are happening in life insisting on it insisting on it it might be hard at the beginning but if you're used to sleeping until noon and you get a job or you got to get up at the butt crack of dawn you want to quit that fucking job every day that you go for the first six months but you go it's okay and then you pretty much if you're lucky learn to enjoy it maybe make some friends i wasn't going to let these dudes live rent free in my brain and i was not going to give an example to the people that were for whatever reason looking to me that that was the way to go you know and that first show that I went back to, I saw a news article that said, how courageous of them to return. No. I had security. I mean, I had the police, almost every cop in France around me. <laughs> Literally, dude. Um, but the person who had been there before had barely escaped with their life, who got out of the metro alone after leaving their apartment in the dark and walked that walk from the metro around to... That's courage. Yeah. And that's actually a supportive gesture. And never in my life did I think I would ever be able to personally bond with an entire mass of people at the same time. But it happened. And it was one big family in one big room protecting moment, one by, big by, yard. And, and by just the actions of three people. Because I'm telling you, I'm not the only one who watched it. I saw other people. It was so over. It was so. Why are you like, what the fuck? Are you insane type of shit? But their love for the person that they were protecting was greater than their fear for their own life. Three times, boom, boom, boom. Do you feel safe now? Well, I'm always safe. 
but do you feel like when you go on stage there tonight you're just there to have fun now you're never getting those flashbacks you're never getting no. the fucking images you're 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 free of it I, I really have it. i'm not free of the i i go out of my way if i'm going to be up there i'm never going to be cheesing a trap for my friends again so i'm going to be the most fabulous thing so that they can only look at me and give my friends time enough to get away also, I went through all my firearms classification training and I trained with SWAT in LA. And when I'm in America, I'm the most dangerous motherfucker there. That's always been my final like, you know what? I'm gonna get SWAT training, so I'll be surprised. We're the security. Yeah, I'm gonna own. fuck you up, yeah. Well, not even fuck you up. I, I know this might sound, you know, this is current politics, but when people don't care about laws, the last idea I'm ever gonna have to affect them is a law. And uh, I realized just like words, the motherfuckers that showed up in France with their guns, I loved them because they, they stopped the bad guys. So are guns good? You know what I'm saying? I, I just learned not, I wasn't gonna let anything make me afraid, nothing. And I, when I saw some of my friends seeing a, a firearm on a cop even and getting, I could see it really triggering them. I hated that, I hated that. I hated it more than I was afraid. And because I recognized the fact that for whatever reason, I was the spokesperson for this event. And I didn't take it as something that, I took it as a very heavy, wonderful honor. How close did it come to you announcing retirement? Was there, if you didn't have spoke to, was it Bono, did you say? I just was never gonna play again. You were just gonna hide? I was just gonna slip away. Uh, I don't know if I would have intended that, but I'm telling you, the trajectory, that's why it scared me. When I saw the trajectory, it was, I was about, I mean, I, that's the kind of shit that will result in you withdrawing from all life and having cancer. You know what I mean? Like, I, I wasn't going to have that. That would have been, you know, there's 90 victims instead of 89 because uh, one of the, the final person was added a few years later when they committed suicide. And that hit me really hard because I'm not going to suffer another one. But I realized that the bad guys had kept killing him for three years until they finished it. And he helped. I, I, at least the least I can do is win, <laughs> keep shaking my dick and having a good time because what sucks about that and show the rest that that's possible, you know? I know this sounds fucking cheesy, but I'm so fucking glad you chose the right decision when it came to it because this world would suck without you in it, man. Thank you, brother. But it's true. Thank there's you. songs that need to be written there's performances that need to be played if well, you go away man there's a gap that isn't going to be easily filled well, that, I really appreciate I that I truly dude. mean that I'm not sucking up to you I'm a fan of your no, music I, I'm, I'm a I'm fan in. of what you've done in your time and that would have fucking been shit and then you would, then you let them win That that's it you let the bad guys win and you know maybe I'm corny but when I was a kid and I read stories of Sammy Davis Jr. having to go through the back door I got pissed off and I wanted to be in the corniest sense, part of the change, right? This was my chance. You know, Joshua said that to me. He was like, you know, we've all, everyone talks in music about how they want to fucking change and fight the man. He goes, here's your chance. You, did, you didn't think it was going to be like this. You never fantasized it being like this, but that's not how it worked out. And that's how we were both raised. Like, you let the facts dictate the terms of your decisions. It was when I was so grateful for my mom. Like, Oh, thank God. This is when it, this is how mom shows you what to do. It's not when she's telling you. Yeah. It's when shit happens later on, you know. And 
now I'm 50 and you can't even tell. You know the bad guys are not winning. Do you think, I'm 41 so I'm catching you up, but um, do you think the older you get, the less shit doesn't fucking hit as hard? Because I now appreciate my fucking wife, my two dogs, the countryside, and going for a walk. I don't need to be the person at the party that's seen at the right place. I enjoy the little things and the big things can all go away now. Well, see, it's funny, the little things, but I don't look at, those aren't the little things, those are the daily things. That's fair. It's just done. But the things I took for granted and you didn't know, see that they were there. It speaks volumes about your character, my friend, but you included your wife in that. I love that. I love that. That's, that's the correct way to think in a community. But I didn't really have a moment of appreciating the little things. I, I had more of a... What's the word I'm looking for here? I actually, you know what? When it first happened, I didn't even know what to do. All I did was think in a childlike way, what would my mom tell me to do right now? What would she be worried about? She'd be worried about being polite and, and showing a good Christian character. So I started there, you know what I mean? Um, I've been given so many blessings. I, I, the response by the artistic community in, in the wake of that was so overwhelmingly beautiful. This thing that we did, Life for Paris, it was started. It united. It did. It, it. Nobody. There was no divide in the argument. There was no discussion. I'm proud of that. And I also realized that there's 90 souls that are waiting for judgment just like me. And I would rather walk with them through the rest of my life than be haunted by them. And there's something uh, uh, sacred about blood. And you cannot betray or misrepresent or lie about blood. And that, that was actually, that my first step that night was I promised God, I'll, do, I'll, not, I'll never lie when it comes to this. That's, that's been the hardest thing for me. That's gotten me in more trouble in, in, in the public eye. It's, that, has, that oath that I took has fucked with me harder than anything, dude. On a daily basis, I'm sure. Dude, it, the, the pressure to compromise as I see it, is, is often, you know, everybody wants a piece of your tragedy to use it as a sales tool. You know, never let a good tragedy go to waste. That's how these fuckers look at it. But you know what? I love the fact that we just discussed this event in such detail without ever even speaking about those who cannot be named the entire time. We've just been able to engage in a discussion of something horrific in beautiful terms. The story we told is beautiful. I don't feel sad. No, exactly. Yeah. It, it's just, there's certain things that let you know with perspective that beauty can be terrible. Beauty can be awful. I mean, do I wish I'd never seen it? Fucking of course. I wish I'd never seen any of it, dude. But that doesn't matter. And, and that's not the way it is. So the way it is is this. And I worked with what I had, and I haven't let the bad guys win. You know, and actually, if they're going to make it, they should make it a million. Think about it, dude. Come on. If you want someone, 800,000 kind of says, like, well, why isn't it a million? Like, you're already thinking, come on, cheapskate. I know you got the extra. I would help if it was a million dollars. You know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, this is where I am right now. Like, you know, how would I make that call? Hey, guys, <laughs> if you want to get me, I'm here right now where I am. So uh, I don't want me to hear my, I mean, like, what would you do? Fuck them. 
This is really a whole setup, and Harley, my friend, is going to kidnap you, and we're going to be rich the rest of our lives. That's right, that's right. This is all that's been a ploy. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> well, just give me a cut. <laughs> but you know, I just basically finished writing the new Eagles of Death Metal album. I had vast experience when my best friend was going through extreme trauma. I've looked at none of it as anything but thank God. You know, I believe in my heart when you ask for help, God gives you trouble. But is it but is it overcoming that trouble that then teaches you how to then be better next time? Absolutely, but it, it shows the glory of God. Yeah. Because it's through God, it's supernatural intervention, make no mistake, that made half of what mo all of what I did possible. Yeah. I'm not trying to be a Bible thump or anything, I'm just telling you, I had some religious experiences that night. My girl was lost. I went and looked I'm the only civilian that went back in people were like trying to stop me the fans that were running out were like what are you doing they thought i was fucking losing my mind i believe me had some holy interaction and i can tell you that god is real but that's how you show god you don't go thump somebody over the head or spit on them or tell them that they're going to hell what you do is is you overcome you engage something like this and come through it the way i have that says god and I think it says God in a much better way. And you just said you finished your album. I finished writing, yeah. And Joshua and I are going to start probably, you know, I think we're going to do the thing where I'll go out while he's on tour for a few days and we'll, cause that's how we did Hard On. And I loved recording like that. Internationally, it's got such a better feel. You get to go around the world, see different ladies everywhere. You know, it's good. How do I get Josh on the podcast? Approach him politely. I've got episode 300 coming up soon. For episode 200, I got my dad. That's who I had. Near, are you going to be near or around him uh, during this tour? I got tickets for Birmingham in the UK. Is he playing there? Yeah. Okay, then I'll see what I can do. It cost me fucking £75, but I saw their Glastonbury performance, and I was like, these guys are on fire. That but drummer... I pay £75 to see the fucking Beatles. <laughs> Sometimes I have no choice. They only come over to the UK every six years. It's like, fucking get a ticket now Dude, if I, if or that miss was, out. I would show up just to not go in. <laughs> For real, and I've done that before. Yeah. I'll show up to not go in. Like, I'm not, nah, it's cool. There's sometimes you treat yourself in life, and that's one of them. I was like, I'm no, going to treat and, myself. And believe me, I completely understand music. Because if I had one of those passes that got me in all the time, I'd do it. But sometimes you just say to yourself, I want to see this now. I want to hear this album live. Music is just... Uh, an obsession so I get it I mean I walked up here making you listen to music before we started and that was fucking awesome and I'm going to write down the tracks you showed me because they were cool but where did I drop my jazz cigarette this uh, oh the wind blew it it's fucking eagle eyes over here dude that's why I brought him fuck yes nice you saved the drugs <laughs> what I do on the podcast and I've done this to every guest that's ever been on is ask them to choose the last piece of music that's played so after our interview today is all edited and wrapped up for the world to listen to you get to choose the last piece of music that's played. Any song, any band. Made to Parade by the Queens of the Stone Age. Most people take about 10 minutes and I edit it and make it sound like they've just come up with the answer. But you had it there. Why that song? I love that fucking song. It's brilliant. And I knew, I know, you know, the man was going through something and the manner in which he captures it and leaves it in a song is, it's breathtaking. I mean, he's the red genius of our time. I believe that. That's beautiful. Do you know, we shared a moment today, I've done 280 episodes, but the moment you walked over today, 
it felt like your family. It's felt like I've known you my whole life. I know you're friends with Matt Stocks. Yeah. I do podcasting. I know him well. He's like oh, awesome. uh, someone. And he always spoke highly of you. And I never thought today that I'd get time with you. Everyone's like, just let the band be. And I was like, I just want to say hello. I hate you know? that. I'm not that dude. Like, I don't care if people take pictures. They can take pictures the whole show. I don't give a fuck if you wheel a mobile recording unit in. I don't give a fuck. Awesome. The Grateful Dead didn't seem to do too bad with that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Like... Don't be a dick. This is the coolest job in the fucking world. You walked past and went, I'll do any press I want. And I literally went, this is my fucking moment. I'm going to fucking take this shot. Like, why well, not? I, dude, I've loved this. Yeah. I've loved this. Thank I appreciate you. it. And I feel like I, it was like, I'm a Catholic, so I feel very cathartically uh, relieved. We I, talked about stuff today that could be done so badly by the wrong fucking media or by the wrong fucking tabloid. But we you, al- you allowed a dialogue to take place without trying to uh, uh, chauffeur, to to without trying to chauffeur the agenda. I, yep. I just wanted to chat. You're a true journalist. I, I fucking appreciate you, man. And um, and you allowed me to express a moment in music that I feel is very important. I like this moment. I'm going to give this to the world. It's not going to be a tagged-on special at this festival. It's Mark and Jesse. Listen now. Done. Awesome. I love you for that. Thank you, dude. So there it is. There's my interview with me and Jesse Hughes. What an absolute legend, a rock star and just someone that honestly I was never ever prepared to speak to. I couldn't believe the interview happened and afterwards I was still pinching myself. But what I will say is we shared a very special moment, a real deep conversation, something where we both gave absolutely everything and completely let our guards down. And I think that's been captured on this interview, so I hope you guys have loved it just as much as me. At the end of the interview, and I'm happy to share this with you guys, sometimes there's stuff that intimately happens and it should just be for that moment, but Jesse and me hugged after the interview. We stopped recording, we stood up and we just hugged. It might sound crazy, but we hugged for about 30, 40 seconds and it just felt like we had just had this moment. We had captured something, it was sacred, it was special and it's something that I'll keep with me forever. And Jesse, I thank you for trusting in me in doing this interview and I really hope I've done you proud. What I do want to say now is if you've enjoyed today's episode, please share it. I go out of my way on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to promote these episodes. So all I ask in return is to hit that retweet button, share button on Facebook or even post it as part of your stories on Instagram. It goes a long way in helping to promote Mark and me. I don't have this big team of people. It's literally just me. I can't pay for sponsored ads and do all these marketing campaigns. It's all about the hard work and graft that I put in to get the word out there. So if you can help me by sharing these episodes, it really goes a long way. I also have a Patreon account. So if you want to give back something for all these 10 episodes over the last week, on there you can sign up for as little as £1. But in return, I make sure you get an exclusive episode just for you guys at home called The Lost Tapes. You get badges, you get stickers, you get a monthly newsletter and so much more. So if you do want to give something back, it would be greatly appreciated. I also want to give a big shout out to the sponsor of the podcast, 
Folio Society, who in my opinion give out the best books out there, and also Richer Sounds. If you're looking for a new TV or home cinema system, visit richersounds.com because those guys sponsor me each and every month, and it's greatly appreciated. This is the end now from a five-part special for 2000 Trees. There are no more specials to come from this festival, but I will be at the Arc Tangent Festival. I'll actually be performing on stage there as well in a few weeks' time, so expect some more specials then. But normal service resumes, and you'll be getting normal interviews again in a couple of days' time. So until then, listen to Eagles of Death Metal, hug someone that you love, take care, and I'll speak to you all very soon. Give your best year.